following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Dilemma, Just a Dream, Air Force One, Country Grammar, Hot and Her. E-I-E-I. You could be hearing some of those songs December 2nd at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Halftime of the Big 12 Championship game because Nelly has been announced as the halftime performance. And supposedly it's supposed to be like a uh, like a Super Bowl halftime type of show. Ah, See, I thought he was going to do the thing where he's like, hey, here's a bunch of stuff off my new album. And everybody's like, oh, dang it. He plays one th- one song everybody knows and the rest. Nah. Boo. Your Mark has a type or else he's just got his connections are just like mm-hmm. 2000s has-beens. <laughs> <laughs> who, else, who else did he grab up for something? Well, if you might recall when uh, the, the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City, they got Fat Joe to do something in oh. uh, Power Light. Shaq, he's not a – I mean, maybe as a basketball player, was a 2000s has-been. But as a, a performer with a ZDM, he's pretty hot right now. Yeah, he is. Uh, he knows how to draw a crowd. And then Ashanti, Ashanti. performed yeah. the national anthem at last year's I Big 12 championship. We did not have a halftime show. As a matter of fact, I don't think there has ever been a halftime show at the Big 12 championship other than like the Dr. Pepper. Oh, um, waste our time with yeah. the chess pass contest. Dude. The chess pass contest. There you go. Please, Brett. We're on a first name basis. Get rid of that thing. Wait, man. so if this is supposed to be like a Super Bowl mm. halftime show, that means you know Nelly might not be the only performer. Is Ooh. there a surprise? Tim McGraw, Tim, ladies and Tim gentlemen. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's all in my head. That song has kind of grown on me, actually. I, I don't mind that song. I totally forgot yeah, dude. that they did something together, right? <laughs> yeah, they did. I mean, I think that's LL Cool J, isn't it? No, I think it's something else. It's Nelly. It's uh, he tried it, man. He goes, he was. Is that hot. the accidental racist song? What am I thinking of? I'm thinking of what is his? Are you thinking of Jason Aldean? Yeah. That's <laughs> what, no. Oh, I thought that was like I thought that was the. Okay, never mind. Yeah. No. I'm gonna get myself in trouble. No. Listen. <laughs> I think Nelly, when he did that thing with Tim McGraw, it was the consummate heat check. He was so red, yeah. white hot that he was like, "Yeah, let's try a country thing." And no one liked it. But now I think it's kind of like it's all. All right. Nelly featuring Ashley Simpson coming to AT&T Stadium in <laughs> oh, December. Oh, please. God, no. Or Jessica Simpson. Sorry. I was Jamie thinking of Brad Paisley and LL Cool J. That's right. Even though in my head they're kind of all the same thing. Because it's all in my <laughs> head. Guys, it's Wednesday. Oh, go ahead, Troy. Before I get, you got something, no. All right, get it no. out now. Get it out, Troy. No, I was just gonna, busy. I was just going to make a crack on on Tim McGraw at this point. That right now he's right there with Sandra Bullock in kind of that wait and see mode. Anyway, Uh-oh. by the way, I got a I got a point here. T shirt. That's an awesome T shirt. I don't know who made it. I can't. I can't. I don't home field. Know. Home field. He's wearing the Pride of Wildcat Land T-shirt. That is a that's an awesome shirt. That was part of the initial collection last year. Right on. So I haven't been able to put together the finances yet to uh, 
with the number of pieces that those boys put out. By the way, the Pride will be performing in Aggieville doing their annual mm-hmm. Aggieville pep rally. That's this Saturday. I thought mm-hmm. you were going to say performing with Nelly. Oh God, well, yeah, they probably will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we make it, they're going to be performing the track to Hot in here. Oh boy! And Nelly's going to sing to it. Doctor Trace is getting it ready to roll right now. He's like, "Come on, guys, let's practice." Well, about to be hot in here in a moment is Dy. But ah. first, I, I want to break down the show real quick. Uh, later on in hour number one will be the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. It is training camp update number three. They're about done in St. Joe, but we'll also get a recap of the first preseason game. Last second loss to the uh, Saints on Sunday. Plus, it is our fourth Big 12 preview, as we'll be joined by Joseph Duarte. He is the beat writer for the Houston Cougars for the Houston Chronicle. But it's Wednesday, and you know what that means. AEW Dynamite tonight from Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee. How about this? A couple of legends in action tonight. Jeff Jarrett, that's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T versus Jeff Hardy in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match. Good God. That's uh, that's to promote the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre video <laughs> game that comes out tomorrow. Oh, boy. Uh, Which looks really cool. Well, it's, it's, it's like the... Um, first movie. Uh, yes, it's based on the first movie. But also Friday the 13th, there was a video game that came out a number of years ago. It's going to be exactly like that, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Which that game is also really, really it's, fun. It's very good. Very good. Are they going to play the game? Yeah, so basically the game is, all right, you can like you and like five of your friends can jump into a game, and it'll randomly select. Like one person is Jason Voorhees. I'm going Friday the 13th. Yeah. One's Jason, and the other five friends are campers. And you're basically trying to find a way to escape the camp, right? You can't before fight getting them. killed. Yeah, you can't fight them, right? Like you have to. Like, you can run. fight them, but oh. it's tough to defeat them. Yeah. Why, why not run to the running car? <laughs> no. But the trick hide, is, you got to find the gas. You got to find. You got to put a battery in this car to get out of here. It's a mess. But I mean, are the wrestlers just going to play the game in the ring? You know, and like right? whoever, yeah, they're like, okay, I won. I believe somebody's going to get chopped in half with a chainsaw. <laughs> oh God. That's how you win the match. Okay. Uh, but an update on AEW's All-In Pay-Per-View August 27th at Wembley Stadium. They have now surpassed 80,000 tickets. They are Jeez. less than 4,000 away from a sellout. But that also means we're joined by Derek Young from Casey Online, who joins us via the Zoom. D.Y., good to talk to you again. Uh, first thing, we got to talk about Nelly. What song do you want to hear the most when we make our trip down to Arlington for another Big 12 championship? I would probably say it's between Air Force Ones or Ride With Me. Ooh-wee. Okay. Ooh-wee. Now, was Nelly, was that in your wheelhouse <laughs> in the early to mid-2000s? Yes, that that, that was uh, probably around the time period where I listened to music the most. Okay. So you're not a music guy now? Uh, I don't stay up with a lot of the the newer stuff now. I'll be honest with you, I'm not. I'm more like going back further in time. Like, what bangers were there in the '50s? What were the big chart topping hits before the Hot 100 existed? But Nelly was in my wheelhouse as well. I remember Hot in Here came out when I was in middle school. Oh boy! And man, when that song came on at the dances, oh boy! It wasn't the slow ones. No, it was the fast ones. The principal started looking at the DJ like, "Hey, easy does it, pal." I'll let oh, this yeah, give him a look. Yeah, yeah. We, easy, okay. easy does it. 
Uh, make sure to keep a good distance between <laughs> you and your dance partner. Yeah. Arms straight out. No bending the elbows. Uh, D.Y., let's first start with football because I missed the Monday stuff. I took a vacation day uh, coming back from Omaha from a concert. Uh, Colin Klein talking to the media, his only press conference during the preseason, and uh, mentioned quarterbacks that Jake Rubley right now is penciled in as a second string. My first question to you is, you know, what does second string mean to Jake Rubley? Is it a full-time second string, or is it by scenario second string? Because, you know, you got that Avery Johnson kid winning his turn. Yeah, that's the question, and the really the question we don't have an answer to yet. It feels more different than last year, if that makes sense. Because last year it was like, Will Howard's the number two quarterback, but but not technically. Technically, it's Jake Rubley because we're preserving Will Howard's redshirt. So is it Jake Rubley really number two just because we're preserving Avery Johnson's redshirt? That, that's possible. And I know that's those are kind of the scenarios that you're alluding to. Like, is he going to be the primary backup in every situation, in every scenario? I would say most of them. Maybe there's a package here or there to get Avery Johnson's legs out in the open field and, and try to make something happen and and uh, kind of shake the bottle up and, and try to make some magic if you're stalling a little bit as an offense. But this one feels a little bit different than last year. I think Jake Rubley at this point is impressing the coaches enough where he's not just the default number two. I think he's earned it. And that's absolutely good news. I mean, Avery Johnson – at some point. I mean, there's no doubt he is the future of K-State football. I mean, Jake Rubley might never even start a game because of Avery Johnson's just his talent that he brings to the table right away for K-State. But I tell you what, you know, it, it's good to hear that Rubley is at least improving. But when it comes to the praise from the coaches, I think there's no doubt there's been a difference in the praise between the two. It's for Avery. It's like they're kind of bowing down to the talent he brings to the table. I would agree. It's like they they, they... – they're almost forced to talk about him. They're like, yeah, Jake Rubley's, you know, doing great, making progress. Um, a large jump from last year to this year. They're like, but that Avery Johnson kid, whew, you know, it, it's one of those kinds of of answers that you typically get. So I see what you're where you're coming from on that because it's like sometimes they try not to talk about Avery Johnson and then they just kind of trap themselves into, oh yeah, there is this Avery Johnson kid that's making a splash as well. Meanwhile, I mean, this is what a lot of the preseason is, getting to know the depth, what the coaches think about certain individuals, praising you know whoever on any given day, any given interview. But I'm sure even on Monday with Klein and even some of the players, it probably didn't start to pump the brakes when it comes to like a Keegan Johnson or R.J. Garcia. They've been two popular guys when you're talking about the wide receivers. Yeah, when you're talking about the wide receivers, those two come up the most – you know, something that I was kind of like thinking to myself and like if there's three players that have just been absolutely praised and complimented the most as if they're on the brink of superstardom at Kansas State, my three would be Keegan Johnson, Uso Sayola, who's dinged up a little bit right now, and to be honest, Will Lee is another name that is really trying starting to catch fire a little bit. He's a, a corner that they – signed from Iowa Western Community College, and he got here in the middle of spring ball, and, man, it sounds like he's really turned a corner in the last week or two. But when the receivers, though, R.J. Garcia is probably in that next group after those three. He certainly seems like someone that's beginning to cement himself possibly as the third wideout for Kansas State because we all know that 
that's a spot that's kind of up for grabs throughout this training camp. And, you know, if you ask me, who do you think is kind of nudged ahead in that race? It's RJ Garcia. You know, you almost kind of brought up my whole next question because I'm at the point now where like these next seven days, they just can't move fast enough because I've heard enough praise about these guys. I'm just, I can't wait to see them play. Like I'm starting to build a list in my head of, all right, who am I most like anticipating to see and like really see like, are they as good as advertised? And, you know, three names have popped out to me, especially with listening to you know yesterday's interviews with coaches and, and listening back to what took place on Monday that, you know, three names have really stood out to me lately of uh, when it comes to the praise and who I'm really looking forward to see. And I was going to see if you wanted to power rank these three individuals and you brought up two of them and they're all on the defensive side of the football. I just want to focus on defense here. Uso Samalu at nose guard. You have Will Lee at corner. And then a name I heard come up multiple times yesterday, Marquis Siegel, uh, to come in and play some safety. Yeah, Siegel's another one. Uh, he came up quite a bit during Big 12 media days. I think they think that he can kind of follow in the footsteps of like a Russ East or a Josh Hayes, a guy that was once a corner, transfers to Kansas State, becomes a safety, and really stands out. So I would agree Marquis Siegel's right up there. He's going to start. Um, they love him. He's – I think a perfect ideal match uh, for their scheme is what it sounds like. Kobe Savage is another one. You know, he's dealing, he had to deal with an injury and recovered from that. I don't think he's lost a step from what it sounds like. And and he's one of the, the main leaders on the team. So I, I think Kobe Savage is another name. Sometimes for some reason, I think he becomes a little forgotten. I mean, this is a, an all big 12 kind of dude. So I would not lose sleep on Kobe Savage and and it sounds like turning the corner and by turning the corner we mean becoming healthier Nate Matlack is another guy to watch out for as he's going to play on the edge this year and maybe has that breakout season that we anticipated from him a year ago that he was unable to do just because he was limited by having two bad wheels you know you bring up something uh, an interesting thought here when bringing up um, Nate Matlack who was from what I understand, hurt for most of last year, just didn't have the season that was anticipated. Because I think I went into last year saying that, you know, I think if anybody's going to have the big breakout year of just seeing a glimpse of him the year before and could really explode in year 2022 was Nate Matlack. But also I'm thinking like, you know, you know Brendan Mott, I mean, he is a guy that waited in the wings, waited his turn. He waited three years to get a real opportunity, meaningful snaps, and he gets – seven sacks I mean do you see a Brendan Mott type of player exceeding what he did the previous year that's tough um because I think he's probably going to have to share those reps a little bit more than he did last year just because Matt Lack is healthy so does he get the same you know snap share I'm not sure Khalid Dukes on the other side they're not going to want to take him off the field either because he can really chase the quarterback Brendan Mott Last year also probably, and this was and this goes for everyone. This goes for Matt Lack and all the other guys that played on the edge, but they were a recipient of Eli Huggins and Felix Enidik Hizama taking up all the attention from an offensive line. So now they're going to be the targets. So can they still get reach that point? Brendan Mott had more sacks last year than Will McDonald, who was a first round pick in the New York Jets, which is a uh, pretty impressive. <laughs> When you consider that, that's a fact. It's, it's a weird stat, something that I like to bring up because not many people would expect it. But I think Mott 
here's the thing with Brendan Mott, there's a chance that he can be a lot better player this year than he was last year, have a much better season this year than he did last year and still have less sacks. And, and, um, it was uh, yesterday that uh, the, the the defensive ends, Buddy Wyatt, was giving them a lot of praise yesterday with the ability to uh, be better in stopping the run. So, uh, boy, I tell you what, that defensive line group seems like they really have some strong death hitting to 2023. Before we go to a break, D.Y., anything we should touch on about recruiting? Of course, you know, like the Grand Bricks, um, you know, like guys like that, they're still trying to get after. Unfortunately, that's remains the status quo at this point. I think Grant Bricks is going to make a decision this month between Kansas State, Oklahoma, and Nebraska. Boganowski's decision for the the Junction City linebacker, I think that leaks into the season, maybe well into the season. So maybe we'll hear something on Bricks soon, but Kansas State, Oklahoma, Nebraska, still the contenders for him. I still tend to think Kansas State or Oklahoma for Michael Boganowski, but you know there there is folks in KU land that believe they have a shot as well. Well, we'll take a break. Oh, go ahead. Oh, and they we did just can't say just land a basketball transfer, right? And Quez Glover. So um, that's twelve scholarship spots filled, and they have one more to uh, to take if they find one to their liking. Well, let's take a break. I do want to touch on Quez Glover a little bit more. Plus, you know what what that thirteenth scholarship could do, and uh, plus, got to get that reaction because I was able to watch it really, but the reaction of K State playing in the Middle East yesterday against Israel Select. We're back with D.Y. in just a moment on the game. We're back on the game here in studio. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G., Travion Berkland. All four of us are here and uh, via the computer. Derek Young from KSET Online joins us for our second and last segment we talked about football, now we transition to basketball. And the big news is that Quest Glover, who entered the portal after uh, not signing officially with BYU, he was originally committed, but then bails out of that and uh, and picks the Cats while the Cats are in the Middle East. Now I saw, D.Y., that just moments ago you have posted an article uh, at K-State Online like, giving five reasons why... Quest gives or makes K State better. I mean, you're talking about a 5'11 point guard with a year of eligibility remaining at Sanford. Averaged uh, 19 points a game his first year there, 15 points, but a knee injury did slow him down a little bit. His second year has really improved on that three point shooting. I don't want all five reasons. I want people to go to K State Online and read that article, but if you want to give us a teaser, what's one of those reasons why Quest Glover makes K State better? Just that experience. You got an older guy that can play in the backcourt, and I think that's pretty valuable for this team. It's going to have probably two true freshmen in the backcourt at times with RJ Jones and Data Ains. So, this is a, just another grown man to kind of lean on and um, with valuable experience. It, he had a game where he scored 16 points against Oregon State his junior year, 21 against Ole Miss. So, he's a proven commodity against high major competition, even though he was at Samford, which is a pretty steep drop down from the, from the high major level. Um, but, and you noted, uh, took a dip in scoring from his uh, junior year to senior year from 19 a game to about 15 a game. That was, um, one of the culprits of that was a meniscus injury to his knee. So I think that played a role, although he's never really been an injury prone player. So that's not something to be fearful of moving forward In 16 of his 29 games, a junior year, he scored 20 or more points. So 20 or more points in 16 of the 29 games. So this guy's. You know, a little bit of a firecracker. He can really um, 
poured in from the outside, as you said, and in an improving three-point shot. But really, this is a dangerous player on the offensive end of the floor, which is probably going to be, you know, a good sight for Kansas State. Maybe need a little bit more of that. We'll see how it fits defensively. You got two guys about that height. You got two guys that, you know, not the most defensively oriented throughout their career when I'm speaking about him and Tyler Perry. But this is a staff that has a lot of defensive credibility and acumen, so you would think they can still make it work. But it's going to be a, a bit of a challenge at times on that end of the floor, I'm sure. But again, this is uh, a lot of offensive firepower when you're getting from Quez Glover. I would imagine in your uh, media career covering various teams that you haven't seen too many recruits being landed while the team and coaches are overseas getting ready to play in exhibitions. No, no, and uh, I don't. I can't remember one single time. So, uh, but this is a new era of college athletics, um, where the transfer portal is pretty wild, and and in basketball, you're going to be landing guys throughout the entire off season. That wasn't what it used to be, right? So, just that novelty of, I mean, this is the second year in a row for Jerome Tang landing guys in the month of August. I mean, last year it was Keontae Johnson and Anthony Thomas. This year we see Quez Glover and, and maybe one more if they can find a 13th. So, uh, you know, that's always going to be around the time when you can take that foreign trip. I believe you get one every three years. So it makes sense that, you know, you're probably going to start running into this more and more. So for the, for the final scholarship, we're thinking if, you know, depending on the anticipation, but, you know, if you know more players jump now into the portal and there's more available, it's a best available situation for that last one. You know, at the end of the day, I think it'll be best player available just because of the allotted time that's left and um, having one spot and you're probably just looking for a guy that can really help you out just about any way imaginable, right? Uh, you, you can't really be picky, I don't think, on August 16th, but you still want to wait for the – to get the right guy for the locker room. They will always prioritize that. They're, they don't believe that they need to compromise their culture to land any specific person. So it's always going to have to be a perfect fit for the locker room because that comes first and foremost. But at the end of the day, any guy that can help them out on the floor, I think they'll be they'll feel lucky to be able to grab at this point in the game. Like you said, I think that amounts to a best player available type of situation. Um, but if you put them up to a lie, lie detector test, I think ideally a big would be would be nice to have if, for the Kansas State coaches. All right, we got a couple of minutes left. I'd like to get your reaction as we wrap up to K-State's 94-87 win over uh, Israel Select yesterday, a game that tipped off yesterday morning as it was, I believe, 7 o'clock there in uh, in Israel. But Arthur Kaluma, I, for the bits and pieces I got to watch, um, the transfer from Creighton who played the four yesterday in the starting lineup, I mean, he nailed that three right away. He was probably the show stealer yesterday. Yeah, he definitely was the best player for Kansas State start to finish, I felt, and he blew me away. I thought he would be pretty good in a Kansas State uniform, but if that's any indication, I mean, we're talking about an all-Big 12 first-team talent if he puts it together from start to finish the way that he did in the opener in Israel. And you got to imagine he's only going to become better, right? He's just an ideal fit for what Jerome Tang and the Kansas State want to do offensively. So I think that freedom is probably going to allow him to become a much better player than what he's shown you know, in his first part of his career at Creighton. So Arthur Coloma, a great match for this staff. Um, is he going to be the leading scorer? He's going to be a contender. Once Tyler Perry refines his three-point shot, um, his scoring will be pretty high as well.
but Arthur Kaluma was definitely the standout. I think the game it was an 11 a.m. tip hour time, I believe. Yes. Uh, on Monday, but uh, I think we're thinking uh, tomorrow, Thursday, Thursday morning, another game in Abu Dhabi. I believe that's going to be 9 a.m. here uh, when the ball tips for that one. Arthur Kaluma, 23 points. He also had three assists and five rebounds. If I. Uh, one more player I wanted to ask because it's you know Cam Carter. We're expecting just an all-around more improved player, and I think it's going to be needed improvement for the starting lineup. How do you look? Uh, you know, it was probably inconsistent, which is maybe to be expected in the month of August, right? You haven't played a you know another team in quite a while, and you're doing so with not the typical amount of practice time. You know, when you when you start to play games in November. You've had a lot of practices up to that point. So the rust and the shakiness and the inconsistency is to be expected at this point, especially on the defensive end. You're breaking in a, you know, a lot of new guys too. So I don't think the communication was always there. So there was a lot of bust on that end of the floor. Um, I think if you're the coaching staff, that probably made them pull their hair out the most. If they did pull their hair out, they were probably pretty understanding of, you know, it's an August basketball game. Um, but I thought where Cam Carter improved the most or looked – noticeably different to me in a positive way was uh, actually his ball handling. I thought that was much tighter than what we saw a year ago. Well, just moments ago, you heard it here. D.Y. says the bandwagon for Arthur Kaluma is open for business, so jump on now. D.Y., that's all I got for you. Thank you for your time and uh, looking forward to talking to you next week. Yeah, see you then. Derek Young from K-State Online here on the game. Uh, Once again, uh, the scoring yesterday for K-State against um, Israel Select, which, by the way, I mean, that team was hitting some incredible shots from three. Um, let's see here. 17 points from Tyler Perry. He had 17 as well from Cam Carter, who had a double-double, by the way. 17 points, 10 rebounds. Did not have a double-double for the Cats last season. 13 from R.J. Jones, one of the newcomers. And he's wearing number eight. I, I notice here that uh, he's the only one <laughs> that has one of the new numbers that you're allowed to wear, which is going to confuse the scores table <laughs> if he commits it, a foul. It, it's going to be awful for you. It really is. Trying to dis- discern what exactly the referee means. Well, so there's referees that will use one hand because they'll mm-hmm. give us the numbers with the fi- with their fingers, of course, of who committed the foul. They could do with one hand the three, five, like added up to eight. Well, in any way you do it, I'm going to think it's Naquan Tomlin because Tomlin wears 35. <laughs> right, exactly. That's what I'm getting at. It. Or or someone doing it this way, or two if hands, you, go, you know. If, reads 53 you're gonna that's the only way you're gonna only be able to do it go 53 and there's no 53 on the roster so it'll be like the like a turkey almost. you know what i mean he'll hold the three is that how it works yeah that's hey you know what i'm talking about you know who it was yeah <laughs> it's gonna be confusing right away <laughs> two, two okay sonny, you know. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's get to a break, and when we come back, guys, our second of three interviews today because we're jam-packed today as uh, coming up at 525, Houston Cougars preview with Joseph Duarte. But coming up next it is our third training camp update from the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, after these words. We're back on the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G. Travion Berkland. It is a full studio today. And it's now time for our third Chiefs training camp update with the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. And it's brought to you by High V and by K-State Federal Credit Union. Contact Sharina Richardson about using the credit union advantage for your next home loan. 
Kansas City coming off a Sunday loss in New Orleans, 26-24 in their first preseason game to the Saints. Mitch, good to talk to you once again. I know it wasn't a win, but did you at least get a chance to get a po' boy or something while you are in New Orleans? Yeah, yeah. Actually, let's see. We got what it had really, really, really good, like Cajun Salmon okay. uh, with the K-State alum, actually, Derek Nelson, who did my stats for me, uh, former uh, – Worked in the uh, SID department back in the day, so yeah, that was good. But otherwise, it was and it was hotter than the surface of the sun. There, we got off the plane on the tarmac, and I we barely survived that. So, well, I learned at the Sugar Bowl that they keep like the press area just because of the way everything's structured there. It's freezing cold up there. Is it the same way in the booth? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, the scene on the old Rocky movies where. <laughs> <laughs> He's slamming the sides of beef from Paulie. You know, Paulie's in this. Come on, Rock. So I was like, ah, oh, this is weird. But, you know, New Orleans is a little, New Orleans is a little different town. Yeah, just a little bit. Mitch Holtz is the voice of the Chiefs. Is our it ain't guest. Leonardville. No, no, not, not quite. Not quite. You don't get the same kind of food anymore. Um, so, I, I'm actually, I want to lead off here with Echo Boydo because he was a standout to me on Sunday with his four tackles, but also I, I, I guess he had a really good practice on Tuesday? He did. He just keeps coming and had another good practice today. And these days are a, a test. Uh, these three days coming back, and I'll, I'll probably mention this again next year when we do this, but there's an on-ramp time of maybe the first week, and then it's dog days, and you grind for two weeks. And then it's, you play a game and come back for these three days. And lots of groans and anguish to try to, and coach goes in pads. So who handles it? I mean, it's a test that Andy Reid puts on this team and to see how these younger guys, Khalif Halassi, who's the rookie out of Western Kentucky, was at Independence Community College and prior to that, Oregon. He and Echo Boydo are kind of climbing together here. Um, and they played a lot at right-left corner um, during this whole camp. And they both played great in the game, and they both have had good practices on Tuesday and Wednesday, and that's a very good sign for Echo Boydo to try to continue to, to make his claim, if not be on the team, to get out on the practice squad, and that would be enormous after showing up like Dennis Quaid in the rookie with his cleat <laughs> in May and going, like, can I try this out? Well, from what I understand, I, I've seen the injury report kind of uh, kind of adding up here recently, but also mm-hmm. some, some injuries in the secondary. Where is Echo Boydo being thrown in when it comes to the drills? Well, he's he's actually had some time at the ones, wow. but mostly he's with the twos. So you might guess Joshua Williams, Trent McDuffie, uh, and Jalen Watson are ahead of him. But with the knee inflammation LeJarius Sneed has had, he's not been practicing. Nick Jones, I should put him as a third member of this uh, first-year rookie group with Halassi and Boydo, but he's hurt. He fractured fingers in the game against the Saints. So after that first group, it's, Boydo and Khalif Halassi, right there. And what I, so overall, there's 12 corners in this camp, and you can just figure that out. He's right sitting there at five or six uh, with the injuries. If those getting those two guys back or just Sneed of himself, uh, he would be at seven, which is really a great spot for him to be in to at least make the practice squad. And don't sneeze on that. If he makes the practice squad, it's a big deal. That means at some point he could show up during the year on the active roster, or just develop within the system, in essence, an NFL redshirt year. 
Meanwhile, Felix Andy DK Uzama on on Sunday had one tackle in his first preseason game, and I noticed uh, earlier this week as well the coaching staff uh, members of the staff were saying that they're still seeing that progression and they're encouraged by that. So is he still continuing to climb that ladder and get better as a uh, training camp goes on? Yeah, he's moving in the right direction. Um, he had, you know, he had a long way to go when he started this camp, but he, he's moving in the right direction. He was really close to a play, and I reviewed it on video. Actually, it was the touchdown pass from um, uh, the second quarterback in, blanking out 5,000 yards, 50 to 30-some picks. Uh, but he was really close. To, he gets under the armpit of the first-team offensive left tackle for them. Um, the kid out of Northern Iowa, he gets under him and slips. Otherwise, they don't get a touchdown. And so uh, it was really close, but close doesn't count, especially in the National Football League. And so it's just a matter of him completing plays and uh, just keep moving forward. So he's, he's been okay uh, in these, these three days that they're evaluating him. But I know Jameis Winston, that's what I'm trying to think of, I just blanked out. Jameis Winston throws the touchdown pass, but ugh, it's about a click away because I see it happen in real time. And like this could be Felix's first big moment, and then he slips, uh, and off it goes for a touchdown. But he beat Trevor Penning, who's the number one left tackle for the Saints. Real quick, the Saints have Derek Carr and Jameis Winston. Doesn't that feel like kind of like just a weird lineup at quarterback for a team? That's real weird. <laughs> uh, although that team, man, after leaving there, I'm going NFC South. Yeah, pretty much because whomever's quarterbacking Chris Olave with a healthy Michael Thomas, and then Jawan Johnson will be the sleeper tight end in your fantasy draft for the Saints. They're going to use him, and even though they got Jimmy Graham and Foster Moreau and Taysom Hill, Jawan Johnson looks like the deal to me. So the Saints feel like a 10-7 and NFC South champion. Well, give me some other standouts for the Chiefs from this loss on Sunday. Anybody else really stand out to you? Well, the wide receiver core. When you yeah. get so there's 13 wide receivers here. Eight guys had double digit receptions. That's hard to do. And then, unfortunately, on Tuesday's practice, three wide receivers go down in a single practice. Uh, Nico Romijo, who was a kid from Fresno State, who's had a really good camp, he goes down with a, looks like a pretty serious shoulder injury. And then Justin Ross, who had a touchdown, which I mean, it, all of social media froze. And I think it crashed Snapchat, X, or Twitter, whatever we're calling it now, uh, and Instagram, just because it was like, oh, my God, Justin Ross got a touchdown, and everything just crashed. Uh, then he gets hurt yesterday, but he came back out today. So all of our social media guys can just relax. I think there was like a candlelight vigil for him to get back on practice field on Wednesday. So, uh, But there were others, too. I mean, right now, the valedictorian of this week, and – in many ways of this camp, a wide receiver is Richie James. The Chiefs have something here. He's kind of filling the Byron Pringle role. Uh, that coach has always had that guy. He's always had that kind of grinder guy that he can, he can set picks, wink, wink, nod, nod, in a legal way, which is an art form. Um, they can they have seminars at that in the uh, West Stadium at Old Memorial Stadium and like the old Purple Mask Theater. Like, how do you set picks without getting called for offensive pass interference? And coaches always had those guys, right? He's had Greg Lewis, uh, he had Jason Avant, Pringle, and now he's got Avery. I'm not sorry, Avery. He's done the Avery's old number, but uh, in the case of Richie James now, 
if he can be the number one punt returner, he is sneaky good as a receiver. And he'll he'll pop a one twenty five for you in a couple touchdowns and then set a pick to get Kelsey wide open. That's what I'm fired up about Richie James. Is wide receiver is that the deepest competition at training camp this year? With the injuries that happened to corner, I would say corner, but okay. they lost Nazi Johnson and with the injuries to uh Legarius Sneed, I'm just doing a crop dust here. Yeah, probably. I would say wide receiver. And you could keep as many as seven, which is a lot. I'm not sure I've seen many teams keep seven ever in my brief 30 years in this league. But the Chiefs right now, I'd say if it was August the 16th, it is August 16th, and they had to make the decision tonight, they would probably keep seven wide receivers. But that means those other MBS isn't going to play. Melvin Scanlon's not going to play special teams. Sky Moore's probably not going to play special teams. Everybody else will. And I put it on Twitter that uh, one of the most significant stats in the New Orleans game that will just go right by you is that there was kickoff team coverage tackle by Rasheed Rice, the rookie out of SMU, who was good today and, and pretty good in the game. And then a kickoff team coverage tackle by, wait for it, Instagram, Justin Ross. He made a tackle. And so when you do that, you're like, whoa, okay. Because uh, those guys, it's not going to be just trying to make your fantasy squad. It's going to be doing, hopefully, and not four core, three of the four special teams. So what about Daenerys Prince then? Because I know he got a couple of kick returns. Did your boy uh, get a chance to show off at all? Yeah, he's okay. Yeah, I think for him, the only way would have been a minus game. Like fumble, uh, run tentatively. Uh, no, he's, he's, he's got it going on. And he had a blitz pickup that was really good when I think Gabbert was in there. Uh, that led to a big game, I think, to the aforementioned Richie James or possibly Cornell Powell. But he had a blitz pickup, which is, oh my gosh, you know, for uh, running backs coach Todd Pinkston, that's the best thing he could see other than an 80-yard run. So, yeah, he did okay. He didn't light it up, but wasn't bad. It's like, okay, he's moving forward. And, again, August 16th, he's the kick returner and makes this team. So did I hear this right, that there's still some defensive backups trying to get under the skin of Travis Kelsey? Oh, it, just, it was it was Lewis Chennault, actually. So oh. it was a situation where Derek McKinnon, and they're going, okay, here's Coach's test again. So they come back for these three days, and they're in a bubble here for three weeks. And you grind, and you grind, and oh, you play a game, you're like, all right, so we're done? Nope, going back, three more days. It's like you're done with the semester. Now you got to go to intercession and write two papers. It's that feeling. And so uh, a little, and they're going pads. They're going live. They went live today at the goal line. And so Jarek McKinnon gets stopped. He's just holding the ball. And Chanel comes up. He's going to pop it out. Kelsey didn't like it. So it wasn't the DBs. It was Leo Chanel. But all, all, everybody's kissed and made up. We're good. Well, Mitch, a uh, couple more before we wrap up here. I, so, with with cuts this year and trying to get it down to fifty three, there's no more you know multiple deadlines. It's now just the one, which is thirteen days away. Do we know how the Chiefs are? Are they just going to do the same thing, or are we going to see a different style of of cuts here the next couple of weeks? No, these teams pretty much the Chiefs are like everybody else. You want to hang on to as many guys as you can for as long as you can, just that you're not risking. Uh, unnecessary snaps or potential injury to the guys that you want running out there for the Detroit Lion game on September the 7th. 
So that was a really good move to like, why are we cutting to 55? And then you're going to cut down to, to your uh, 53 from that, or at least it was 75, went 90 to 75. No, keep them all. There's no spring game. There's no spring league. And until the league gets one, but it's not the XFL or the USFL or something to fill Fox programming. It's when it's a legitimate, hey, let's make this a, a developmental league like the NFL Europe used to be. Until you get that, you need these games. I know it gets boring for fans in the second half, but, I mean, these are these are showcases in the second half. And so, like Remigios, one, one guy, I mean, you know, I'm sorry he got hurt, but he showed up now. And there were some others that did, too. Wanya uh, Morris, offensive tackle out of Oklahoma, rookie, uh, in that time where, like, I don't, I'm getting bored with this. I'm going to go outside and take a walk. Like, no, pay attention. Walk after the game is over. <laughs> but you need all these guys to be uh, looked at, man. You need it until you get a spring league. Well, to wrap up, I know he played just the one series, and Mahomes, he's a fan of just, he, he wants to take that one lick, and then he's good. But you like, at this point, like, man, just sit this one out and get ready for the regular season. Does it make you nervous that he plays a little bit in that first game? No, because he wants to. Okay. And he's made two just bizarro Superman comic book plays in this camp. He did, this is two weeks ago, he did a behind-the-back screen pass, which was perfect. Like, it wasn't a show-off. This was a screen. It would have been impossible to defend because he just no-look behind the back, perfect screen set up for like 50 yards, and then he does a ridiculous play yesterday. He's beyond the numbers, moving to the boundary. I think we've got it up on Chiefs.com, and he throws across the field, boundary to numbers right, all the way down the field, boundary to numbers left, on a perfect strike. He wants to play, so that's okay. Give him a, give him a shot, man. Let him go, because some of these quarterbacks who aren't playing at all, man, you can't just jump out. I don't know what Aaron Rodgers is doing. Play a couple series. Because it's going to take a couple series to get you acclimated. I don't care who you are in that first regular season game. Well, Mitch, we'll be listening to you on Saturday. Another preseason game on the road at Arizona with a kickoff of 7 o'clock. And uh, after that, we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Thanks, Mitch. Yeah, let's get Felix a sack and maybe Boydo a pick six or a scoop and score. It'd be kind of fun discussion next one. Man, talk about the dream scenario. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm. See you guys. It's Voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, here on The Game as we wrap up our number one. Don't go anywhere because we're going to talk, and maybe we can finally put it to bed. Conference realignment uh, yeah. is after the break because you're Mark Tarkin on a podcast. Is the Big 12 done? What about UConn? What about Gonzaga? What's the latest on that? We'll get that update from the commish himself, plus a preview of the Houston Cougars. It is our fourth Big 12 preview, and we're going to talk Houston with Joseph Duarte from the Houston Chronicle plus number one song today and ask us anything is all coming up in social local news. Stick around. Hour two next.